you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it and turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, and we're going to be looking at verses um, 14 through 23 this morning. It's a time of year for um, political surveys. I don't know if you get phone calls where they ask you to take a survey. Maybe that's just our house because we still have a landline and no one else does. Can you believe that? Um, But most often when they ask you a survey, they want you to come down on one side or the other so they don't give you a neutral option. So you have options like, are you highly satisfied, somewhat satisfied, somewhat dissatisfied, or highly dissatisfied? And I always want to say, well, where's the middle ground? Because that's just kind of what I want. I want to, I'm neither satisfied nor dissatisfied. <laughs> but there is no neutrality because they want you to fall on one side or the other. They want to know where you stand on a certain issue or on a certain person. There is no neutral ground. And as we look in, in Luke 11 today, we're, we're going to see that this sort of this, this battle that's, that's waging between the, the kingdom of God and the, and the kingdom of, of Satan the forces of of good and evil. And the reality in this battle is that there is no neutral ground. You're on one side or the other. And that's kind of where this all pushes towards, towards this idea of which side are you on. And so I think that the big idea of this passage, we might sum it up by saying this, in the war between God's kingdom and Satan's, neutrality is not an option. So in this war between God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom, neutrality is not an option. You have to fall on one side or the other. And so the big question is, which side are you on? Jesus is going to make it very clear which side he is on. Jesus is not on Satan's side, even though some people seem to put him in that category. But the question is, are you or am I? This war that we're thinking about, this war between God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom, it's, it's bigger than we imagine sometimes. We don't really think about this unseen war that is, that is going on. And we need to know which side we are on. And all this is, is, is very clear in this passage. So let's read these verses and think about something that maybe we don't typically think about, um, but that, that God has brought to us this morning in His Word. So Luke chapter 11, and I want to read verses 14 through 23. God's Word says, Now He, Jesus, was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, He cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others to test him kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. 
As you look at this passage, it's interesting that verse 14 is all the information that we have about this specific miracle. Um, in many of Jesus' accounts, we have details that emphasize the miracle or the person who was, who was healed or who had the demon cast out. But here the emphasis is more on the reaction of the crowd than it is on the miracle itself. Just this one verse focuses on the, the miracle. So what we do know is that Jesus encounters this man, you see there, um, who was mute. He was unable to speak. Presumably he hadn't been born this way, but he, he, came, he became mute because we find out of a demon that had possessed him. We see this throughout the, the Gospels that, that demons can cause physical illness. They cause physical handicaps and maybe blindness. We'll see later in Luke a woman who was bent over. Her, her back had been bent for 18 years and it was because of a demon. Now, I think it would be foolish for us to, to say here that every person who is mute is demon-possessed. Um, or that every physical illness has at its core some sort of evil spirit. I think that would be foolish. But I, I think it would be also be equally foolish to not recognize the existence of evil spirits and demonic forces in our world today and the reality that that could be behind some of the things that we face. In the Gospels, I find we just keep having to face this issue of the reality of an unseen world and the reality of spiritual darkness in the world. Evil forces at work in the sons of disobedience, Paul calls it in Ephesians. And while they seem to be at, at uniquely at work in Jesus' time and maybe in a high concentration during Jesus' time, they are still at, at work in our day and age. If, if nothing else, we, we see the forces of evil at work in, in dark places. There are dark things that happen in our world. That Maybe you read or heard about the murder that happened in our own city downtown just recently. Just this past week, that in, in an apartment complex, that a, a man in a wheelchair was, was shot and killed. And, and that, part, and that a, a woman who was pregnant was injured by this gunfire. That's just dark. That's evil. It's, it's wicked. We can think about, if you've faced it within our community, sometimes the enslaving power of, of drugs or of alcohol and the havoc that that wreaks in homes. It's, just, it's a dark, dangerous thing. We might look at physical ailments or, or mental illness, and some of that could be the result. We, we don't know, and we're not sure, but it could be the result of, of, of demonic oppression, of evil spirits. And there, are, there is the reality of, of people who are a part of, who dabble in, in witchcraft and Satan worship. That, that's, a, that's part of the world that we live in, and we would be foolish to deny that there, that there is this unseen battle that's raging in our world and sometimes we just catch a glimpse of it we see the darkness in a in a unique way in this instance the people saw a man who was mute who could not speak they, they may have known that he was possessed by a demon but maybe they didn't but they certainly did after jesus had had talked to him because jesus shows that this isn't just purely a physical ailment they watch Jesus as he either speaks to the man or touches the man and he, he casts out this, this demon. And what's the reaction of the crowd? Well, the first reaction there says that the people marveled. 
they were they were amazed. They were astonished. They'd seen this man just minutes before, unable to speak, unable to talk at all. And then Jesus comes to him and casts this demon out, and he's able to speak all of a sudden. And they are amazed. But not all of them. Some were amazed, and maybe some were amazed to a, to a point, but others have some other thoughts. It's interesting, though, that, that neither no one denies that Jesus cast out a demon. Neither group is willing to say that, that there wasn't a demon and that Jesus didn't cast out the demon. I think that's, that's interesting. Even Jesus' enemies wouldn't deny that he cast out a demon. I think it's interesting because in our day and age, many people would deny the existence of this unseen world or would deny the existence of miracles in, in general. They would deny any supernatural activity in the world. I think that's ironic. I think it's ironic because the people that would deny those things are considered to be the, the most knowledgeable people in our society. I think it's ironic because the people that seem to know what's most important are the ones that, that deny this undeniable reality in the world, that there is some sort of unseen world that is going on. So I, I just say that to rem- remember this, that, that people that put themselves forth as knowledgeable, people that maybe have a lot of degrees and, and talk like they understand things, but, but deny the reality of supernatural forces or deny the reality of, of this unseen spiritual world, really don't know what they're talking about. And God has chosen in many ways, right, to reveal these truths to those that are childlike, to reveal them to those that are weak in this world. So again, though, no one in that day questioned whether or not a demon had been cast out. They all knew something had happened. But Jesus' opponents, there, there were two groups of them. One group questioned by what power he had done this. And the other group wanted to test him with and, and to see more signs. You see that there in verse 15. But some of them, he said, said he cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, while others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. Now this, this second group that wants to see more signs, Jesus is going to deal with them, but he's going to deal with them later. And he deals with them in, in verse 29 and following. So we're not going to deal with them now, we'll deal with them when Jesus deals with them. But he does deal with this first group right here in the passage, this, um, this group of people who say that he cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. And these are identified in the other Gospels as the scribes and the Pharisees. These are the ones that are saying this. So here's what they say. Jesus casts out the demon, and they say, He's casting out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. Now, Beelzebul, that's not something that we typically talk about. It was probably a reference to a, an old Canaanite deity that had come to be a representation of Satan himself. And so this crowd is saying that Jesus is using demonic powers to cast out demons. Basically what this crowd is saying is that Jesus is practicing witchcraft or sorcery of some kind. Can you believe that? What an indictment on Jesus. He's doing this by the power of Satan. It's shocking. It would be even more shocking if it wasn't so ridiculous. <laughs> and that's actually what Jesus does, points out here in different ways, is he points out the absurdity and the silliness of what these people are saying. Now, they weren't saying this actually to Jesus' face, were they? 
In verse 17 it says, But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them. So they were saying it to other people. But, but Jesus knows their thoughts, which is a simultaneously wonderful and frightening truth that Jesus knows our, our thoughts always. But He knows their thoughts. And so first He points out that this claim of theirs is, is foolish. That they, that he's, and, and He does it by talking about a divided kingdom or a divided household. Now if you plug this, this quote in here, uh, a house divided against itself cannot stand if you if you googled that right there you you might think that Abraham Lincoln said it and he was the first person to quote it cuz that's what it's going to show up as as a quote from Abraham Lincoln and and he did he used this in a in a speech before the be, the beginning of the civil wars eight and um before he was even president he used this quote to speak of of what he saw coming in the United States if the issue of slavery was not dealt with This is what Lincoln said. He quoted this. He says, A house divided against itself cannot stand. I believe this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fall. But I do expect it will cease to be divided. It will become all one thing or all the other. Either the opponents of slavery will arrest the further spread of it and place it where the public mind shall rest in the belief that it is in the course of ultimate extinction, or its advocates will push it forward till it shall become alike lawful in all the states, old as well as new, north as well as south. Lincoln was right in in some ways. But it's as if the house had to, to fall before it could be united. When we think about a kingdom divided, we can think about the Civil War. In the American Civil War, our, our nation was, was divided in half, literally. Families were divided in half. Brothers fought against brothers and fathers fought against sons. And the results of the war were catastrophic. The, the nation was laid waste. Can you imagine what it was like for a nation to lose over 600,000 men in the course of four years. That was due to either the battle or to disease. The cities were, were destroyed. You think about Atlanta burning. What, what does that do to an economy for the South to be completely decimated in the way that it was? America survived, but it emerged completely different. It was laid waste, as the text says. A house divided cannot stand. It will collapse. You might think of this on a smaller scale. Have you seen these flags outside people's houses? A house divided. (laughs) Have you seen these? And on one side it's UofL and the other side UK. Maybe you live in a house divided in that way. Hopefully that house will survive. Hopefully your household will weather that storm. But there are houses where there's division, major division within the home, and, and, and the houses are, are falling apart in different ways. They won't stand. The point that Jesus is making is that if he's casting out demons by the prince of demons, by Satan, then Satan is working against himself. Why, why would Satan be seeking to destroy himself? How would his kingdom stand if he's continually working against himself? That's what he says here um, in verse 18. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? 
For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. So he's, he's saying, this is ridiculous. You're telling me that I'm doing this by witchcraft? That's, that's a ridiculous claim. But then he shows the implications of, if that's true, let me tell you what that means for you guys. If he's casting out demons by the power of Satan, then what are the followers of the Pharisees? How are they casting out demons? Because they're doing it. It says here in, in verse 19, And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. So, so the point is that the followers of the Pharisees were also casting out demons. And it probably looked the same way. And so Jesus is saying, so... you're casting out demons, your your followers followers are casting out demons, and I'm casting out demons, and it looks the same. But you're saying, I do it by the power of Satan. What about them? Are they doing it by the power of Satan? Who's right in this situation? Because they both look the same. He's saying, they're going to be your judges. And they, they don't know what's going on. They just don't like Jesus. They like their followers and the way that they're casting out demons, but they don't like what Jesus is doing. Let me just say, at this point, that, that very often as, as Christians, we are faced with accusations from the outside world. And when that happens, we, we often will close our mouths and we will run away in fear. We're, we're scared when people make bold claims against Christianity. And so we clam up. But I think what Jesus models for us here is that if we are willing to think hard, and ask some good questions, we can begin to reveal sometimes how ridiculous what people say is. That, that sometimes people will make claims against Christianity, and it really, when you, when you start to ask good questions, what they are saying is ridiculous. Or if we start to follow their logic about us, and we apply the same logic to them, then their house falls as well. So they're willing to apply that logic to the way that we think about things. But if we apply the same logic to their arguments, suddenly their whole house falls apart. And so I, I want, I, can, can you imagine what it would have been like, though, to, to be accused of witchcraft? Can you imagine that? that? That you are out trying to do the work of God and someone says, you're doing that by the power of Satan. If someone said that to me, I don't know what I would say. But, but Jesus is bold enough in that moment to just kind of say, hey, wait a minute. Let's think about what you're saying to me. And I think sometimes when people come up to us with, with claims that, that, that say we're foolish for being Christians or say it's ridiculous that you believe certain things, that we should kind of just say, hold on a minute. Let's think together about what you are saying. Because that's essentially what Jesus does here. They make this really bold claim. And I think some people in the crowd maybe have, would have agreed with them. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. He's casting out demons by the power of Satan. And then Jesus says, well, let's think about that for a minute, folks. And then the crowd says, oh, yeah, that is really ridiculous. (laughs) Why would anyone ever say that? And so I I would encourage us to to be bold, to to ask questions. You know, I think we laugh sometimes. Whenever Jesus is asked a question, he responds with a question. So much of what Jesus says is questions. And it's funny to watch that sometimes. And yet at the same time, that's a great way to interact with people. That, that if people come to us asking questions, to ask questions in return, or they come to us with bold claims, to ask questions, to really seek to understand what people are thinking and how they're understanding things. But Jesus doesn't just prove them wrong. He, he also reveals why he's casting out demons, why he's healing diseases, why he's pronouncing forgiveness of sins. And his reason is actually the exact opposite of what they're accusing him of. So they say that Jesus is casting out demons by the power of Satan, But Jesus says he's casting out demons, and in doing so, he's actually pronouncing a full frontal attack on Satan's kingdom. 
But in verse 20, that's what he says. If it's by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He says, if it's by the finger of God. That's not a question, it's more of a statement. He's made it clear it's not by Satan's power. So he says, if it's by the finger of God, and it is, then the kingdom of God has come upon you, and it has. The kingdom of God is breaking into the world in this moment and doing war with the powers of darkness. This is what Jesus announced from the very beginning in those key verses back in Luke chapter 4. In Luke 4, he takes up the scroll and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is what Jesus has come to do. He has not come to be in legion, to be a cohort of Satan. He's actually come to to fight completely against Satan. What a foolish thing that the Pharisees were saying. You're working with Satan. And, and Jesus says, no, if I'm doing this by the finger of God, it shows you that my kingdom is coming to this world and I'm fighting completely against Satan. And the kingdom is coming into this world. Of course, when we talk about that, we have to remember this tension of the what we call the already and the not yet of the kingdom. That the kingdom is coming. There are things that are, that are happening that show that. Even that, that passage that Matt read, in Isaiah 35, we see this. It says there in Isaiah 35, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Did that happen with Jesus? Yes. And the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then, the, then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. All those things happened in the ministry of Jesus, and yet there are things that, that have not fully come to pass. Later in that passage, and a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. There's this fullness of the kingdom that, that is not completely here yet, but there is part of what the kingdom is that has been ushered in with the coming of Jesus. So there are ways in which the kingdom is here and ways in which it's, it's still coming. But we see the reign of God coming here on earth. We, we see it in, in answered prayer. We, we, we see it in, in healing, that people are healed from sickness still. We, we see it in families that are reunited and, and marriages that, that are taken from the ashes. We see it in lives that are transformed by the gospel. The kingdom is here. All the power that Jesus had is still with us. It's not absent from us, but, but He is still coming in power in our world. The kingdom is here. And we're part of that. We're part of the spread of the kingdom now while we wait for that full consummation. But we're part of it. That's why we pray in the Lord's Prayer that we just studied. Your kingdom come. Part of that praying, your kingdom come, is praying against these forces of wickedness and the power of Satan in our world. We're praying against those things. Remember, this battle is much bigger than we sometimes realize. And when we pray, your kingdom come, we are praying, Jesus, we want your kingdom to come in power now and fight against the forces of wickedness and the forces of evil of all kinds. We're praying for protection from evil. We're praying for deliverance from disease and injustice and evil. 
And it's, it's not just a physical thing. It is the world and it is the flesh, but it also is the devil. That there are forces that we are praying and fighting against. And when we come and we proclaim the gospel into dark places, we are coming up against Satan and powers of darkness. And in doing that, we are pushing the kingdom forward. If you think telling people the good news about Jesus is difficult, you're right. In fact, it's, it's war is what Jesus is telling us here. Is that we have an enemy that does not want that to happen, that would rather have darkness reign. And so when you come and you proclaim the message of light, you are fighting against the kingdom of Satan. It is a clash of kingdoms that is happening when we speak forth the truth of the gospel. So if you think it's hard, recognize it really is hard. And if that thought kind of scares you, the thought of sort of doing battle with demonic forces is scary, then Jesus has another word for us here. He says in verse 21, he gives this this illustration but if, when a, verse 21, when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he, over, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. But who's the strong man in verse 21? The strong man is Satan. Satan is, is powerful. Satan is strong. Satan kept this man mute. For, for what I would assume would be years. This man was unable to talk because of this demonic oppression. That's power. Can any of you keep someone from talking? I can't keep my kids from talking. So the, Satan is, is powerful. He's, he's a roaring lion that's waiting to devour us. He is strong. But what does verse 22 say? But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him and takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. So there's one stronger. There's someone that's stronger. And who is the stronger one? It's Jesus. And so this is, this is the confidence that yes, we are weak and Satan is strong. But Jesus is stronger. Jesus is the stronger man that comes in and, and it's, it's this picture of decimation completely. When one's stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. He just makes him look like a fool because Jesus is stronger. And we see that even in this passage that, that, and throughout the ministry of Jesus that with a word or with a touch he, he casts the demons out. They have no power before him. And we see it ultimately in, in the, the cross where this is what one of my favorite passages in, in Colossians. This is what it says in, in, in the book of Colossians. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, Nailing it to the cross, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. In the cross, Jesus triumphs over all these rulers and authority and, and, and evil forces. Jesus completely decimates them. When you think about, a it says here, a divided house falls. It says if Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? If Satan is divided against himself, his kingdom won't stand. But 
Also, if Jesus shows up, his kingdom's not going to stand either. And it's crumbling even now. Now again, we have to face this already not yet. Is Satan a defeated foe? Yes. But does he still have power? Yes. And we have to hold that intention, but also recognize that he has power, but not as much power as the stronger man, Jesus. And if Jesus is on our side, then we can win the battle. We, we saw this in A Mighty Fortress is Our God. I thought of it just as we were singing. It says, For still our ancient foe, which is Satan, doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Let's not forget that. And then it says, Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be Losing. If, if we were to rely on our own strength, we cannot fight Satan. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is He. The Lord of hosts His name from age to age the same. And He must win the battle because He's the stronger man. He will win. There is no option for neutrality in this battle, though. You've got to pick sides. And that's what Jesus drives home in verse 23. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. There's no riding the fence. You're either with me or against me. To not choose sides is to choose to be against Jesus. And to not gather with him is to scatter. This reminds me of cleaning my house with my children. I love my children. I've heard it said that cleaning the house with kids is like trying to brush your teeth while eating Oreos. I think that's a pretty good illustration. Because if my kids aren't gathering to put away, you know what they're doing? They're scattering. <laughs> that Things are going all over the place. So if they're not helping, then they are hurting the cause. Um, and that's the idea here, is that if, if you're not on the team with Jesus, if you're not working towards the same goal, then you are scattering. You are, you're, you're, you're working against Him. And in fact, if there's only two sides, and one side is the kingdom of God, and the other side is the kingdom of Satan, then if, if you're not working with God, you're working with Satan. You're working against Him. You're working with the powers of darkness. And so the, the question that Jesus is asking here. He doesn't ask a question, but in verse 23, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. The question that we have to face is, whose side am I on? Who, who am I with in this, in this battle? Am I fighting with Christ? Am I pushing forward the kingdom of God? Or am I pushing forward the kingdom of Satan? We saw this, that, that the decisive blow against Satan is not seen just in these miracles and the exorcisms. That, that, that's kind of the picture of what Jesus is doing when he comes. But the decisive blow is seen in his death and his resurrection when, when Jesus comes and crushes the head of the serpent through his death and resurrection. And so the way that we ultimately side with the kingdom of light, the way that we ultimately side with Christ and with God is through faith in that decisive blow against Satan. Am I on Jesus' side? Have I, have I drawn the line in the sand and said, I'm with Jesus, the one who has conquered Satan through his death and resurrection? I, I would ask you that question. 
Because Jesus says this here. It's very clear. If you're not with Him, you are against Him. So my question is, are you with Jesus? Have you, have you made that decision to say, I'm on Jesus' side? And it can't just be kind of like a, yeah, sure, I'm on Jesus' side. I mean, this is, this is a battle. This is a war that's raging. It's, it's kingdoms that we're deciding to be a part of. So which side are you on? Are you with Christ? Have you put your faith fully in Him? Because if not, you're still underneath the control of of Satan. But it's when we come to Christ and we say, He has has defeated the enemy for me, this enemy Satan who is against me, and my sin that condemns me and puts me under God's wrath. And Jesus has done what I could never do in, in dying and rising again to defeat Satan and to defeat sin so that I can have eternal life. And if that's true, then, then we're in the kingdom of light. And then the other question is, if that's true, are, are we gathering? Are we, are we pushing forward against the, the forces of Satan? Or, or have we gotten scared? Or do, we, do we think that Satan's winning the battle? You know, the world is a dark place. There's a lot of terrible things that happen in this world. I just keep saying over and over again, you know, life is hard. Sometimes I think we think that Satan is winning. That, that we look at this passage and we think, well, Satan's the stronger man. And he's, he's wreaking havoc in this world. But remember, Jesus is the stronger man. If Jesus is on our side, then, then we fight against these forces of wickedness. We fight against evil. We fight against darkness. And we can be victorious. That the kingdom of God is moving forward in this world. I think we need to, to have a sober reality check of, of what is actually happening in the world. And so that, that when we step into dark places, we're not so naive not to realize that, that Satan is present there. But we're also not so scared as to think that God can't handle it. Or Jesus isn't powerful enough to overcome it. So we don't not step into dark places because of fear. But we also step into them realizing that Satan is strong but that Jesus is stronger. I think this is a, a difficult passage, if I can be totally honest with you. It's hard to fully understand what's going on here, but, but the reality, I think, the big point is that there is this cosmic battle going on between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And neutrality is not an option. You're on one side or the other. So which side are you on? And if we're on Jesus' side, then Jesus is the stronger man, and we can have victory over darkness. And the kingdom is here. If Jesus cast out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom has come upon us. The kingdom is here. If you have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, if you have become a child of God, then the kingdom of God is here. And it's our job now to push the kingdom forward in the power of the stronger man, Jesus. And he will win the battle. He must win the battle. There is no other option. Let's take a moment of silence. And then I will close this in prayer. Lord, we thank you. That your grace is sufficient for us. That your strength is made perfect in our weakness. So we want to glory in our strength. I mean in our weakness. We want to glory in our weakness. So that the strength of 
of God will be seen. We thank You that greater is the One who is in us than the One who is in the world. Lord, forgive us for being scared. Forgive us for for not just being scared, but being naive or being blind to the battle that is around us. And help us to, to fight with boldness, to push the kingdom forward. Lord, help us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Help us to be bold. Help us to step into places knowing that Jesus is the stronger man. And Jesus will completely make a fool of Satan. Though we look forward to that day when there is no more lion in the land, when his jaws are shut, and there is no more Satan to fight against us, but the kingdom will come in its fullness, and we will be with you forever, and there will be no more suffering or or pain, there will be no more darkness, but you will be light Lord, thank you for that hope. Help us to proclaim this message of light to those that are still in darkness. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.